Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Purposely Local, where we feature the why and the purpose behind some businesses, founders, and, and different people around different communities that are putting together amazing companies and, and ventures, and also featuring the why their own personal why in their in their own businesses. Today, I had the pleasure to be talking to Ediva Sanker. Ediva Sanker is the founder of Grid Boxing Studios in New York. She actually has a very impressive uh, achievement when, when she started the business. I mean, according to the records I have here, and Ediva, you can confirm with me if this is right or not, the, the numbers are good or not. But when she co-founded Greed boxing here in New York City. In the first six months, it grows over $2 million. And then in that first year, she ended up grossing $4.5 million in the first year. Is that correct? Yeah, until the pandemic. <laughs> right, until the pandemic. And we'll yeah. talk about it. But this yeah. is really impressive, not only for, I mean, in general for a business, I mean, to start something you know, from scratch and in seven months to gross $2 million, it tells, it says a lot about the person who is behind this and what are you putting together? And you de definitely, uh, we want to talk about your purpose and why you decide to do this. But before going into your craft and what you're doing today, I kind of want to go to your early days when you yeah. were a child and when you were like, you know, developing yourself, growing, you know, how was how was your early days? Where when did you go to school? And when do you think you find exactly what you were passionate about? So I can literally remember putting on sneakers and going on a run with my dad from like such a young age. And we would run around the block around our neighborhood in New York. And it was just that feeling of you're not thinking about anything else except for running. And that really instilled my passion for fitness from such a young age. It was really the, the mental aspect of it. And so I, I grew up in New York. My family moved us out to Park City, Utah for high school. But from a young age, my parents always thought that you learn best traveling versus in a school. So in around third grade, my parents took us out of school. They homeschooled us. We traveled to Australia, Thailand, Vietnam, and they basically just taught us while we were traveling. And that honestly had a big impact on my life because it made me able to connect with a, a lot of different people from such a young age. It made me accustomed to different types of cuisines, accustomed to different types of accents, languages, and people. And that honestly has helped me be like a people person and just really like connecting with people from all over. And so, yeah, I think that has had a really big impact on my life. Growing up in Park City, Utah, it's obviously a very active place. There's lots of hiking, lots of outdoors, act outdoorsy activities, but really my passion for boxing itself stemmed from college when, where I went to school in Syracuse University and the head coach of the boxing team was in one of my classes he asked me to come try it out. I did. And I fell in love with it. Was one of three girls to compete in nationals from my school. And at that time, boxing was not a sport that many females were, were doing. But yeah, boxing from the time of college really was what got me started into the hardcore like fitness, fitness part of my life. Do you remember that first time that you put your gloves and, and, and did that? Can you describe that moment? What, what happened? 
Yeah. Well, I remember looking around the, 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 the room, it was on campus and the gym there was filled with just men. And I remember feeling kind of insecure and kind of a little bit intimidated because I was one of the only females and I'd always considered myself an athletic person, but anybody who's tried boxing for the first time knows it's kind of like dancing. It's, it's awkward and you feel like you're doing it incorrectly and you're self-conscious about your body and it feels it feels weird. So I just remember that feeling the first time, but I remember thinking, no, I'm going to come back, even though I'm one of the only girls, even though it's a little bit awkward, just because it makes me feel so empowered. Were you the only girl or there were a few girls? And no, uh... there were maybe like two other girls. So even when we were sparring or hitting each other, it was with other guys mainly. Okay. Okay. And this was when you were in Syracuse, correct? Yeah, this was in college. Okay, in Kyrgyz, in Syracuse. And what happened after that? When when you when you did that and what happened? So after that, I so in school I studied journalism. I didn't think I always knew that fitness was an aspect of my life that I loved. I didn't realize that it was my passion until I was working a nine to five job that I absolutely hated. Similar story to a lot of entrepreneurs. You quit your job and you say, What am I actually? what do I actually really want to do? My dad's a serial entrepreneur. I grew up around entrepreneurial parents. And I think that really instilled in me a sense of the idea of like building your own business and going after your passion rather than just following the status quo and, and doing what everyone else thinks you should be doing. So growing up around that, I, during that time when I quit my job, I just, what, what was your job that you, you, you hated? <laughs> so I was working in advertising, but I was on the, I'm a much more creative person. That job was strictly just, it was really just analytical. It wasn't, it wasn't my passion. And I took that time off to really just dive into the fitness space. I was just spent that time really taking a lot of fitness classes, going to boutique studios all across New York and also abroad in London and all over. And just, I realized that that was really what I loved. Uh, what did you try those days? You said you try a lot of fitness studios. What, what kind of, what kind of studios did you try? What, what did you like and what you didn't like? In the in the in that time. Yeah. So I went to all of the boutique fitness studios really in you know in New York City, the fitness scene at that time, especially before the pandemic, was pretty saturated. You know, there was like a soul cycle and almost it felt like on almost every block there were rumble studios had just opened up, shadow box, orange theories, or you know, there's close to a thousand orange theory locations. I was trying all of the studios, including also big box gym classes and What I liked about them was obviously the feeling that it gives the people that are coming, which is feeling empowered, feeling strong, feeling confident. But what I felt like was missing from those studios was the community aspect. And a lot of studios claim that they have a community, but when it comes down to it, you go into a fitness studio and then you leave and you never you leave having never met anybody or having talked to anybody. So that's kind of where the idea for grit came from was, okay, we're, yes, we're going to be a fitness studio, but we're also going to be a fitness studio with a full liquor bar as a way to bring people together in this third space. So instead of people leaving the studio to connect, meeting elsewhere, realizing that they have a common passion, 
why not have them meet at the place where they just took the workout? That you think was your your point of differentiator when, when you started Grid Studios, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people hang out until 11 p.m. at night just chatting, whether it's about the workout or about anything else. And I think also the fact that a lot of our trainers will hang out after the class, they'll talk with the clients. I mean, when else, when you're at a workout studio, do you get to hang out with your trainer and drink with them and get to know them? And a lot of people idolize their trainers. Like these are people that are changing their lives. These are people that, you know, they're on the stage in the class. So they're like mini celebrities. And here you are, you get to talk with them outside the class. Like that's a pretty big deal for somebody that wants to feel seen and heard in New York city. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I can, I experience going to fitness studios and it's always like that, as you were saying, like you come in and out, mm-hmm. you might say a few words to, to someone and to the, and to the instructor, but you don't have that real physical sense of community with, with them at the, you know, at the end, unless you kind of go with a group and go outside and things exactly. like that, but it's, it's very random. You're, you're yeah. right. Yeah. So how was, when, when that happened, how was the idea? I mean, we, we kind of move forward a little bit now, but let's go to the early days when you, you wanted to start the business, how the idea came out, you know, how do you put it together? What were the challenges at the beginning? And you say it, I mean, and, and it's right. I mean, there's so many fitness studios here and what, you know, what did you do to start this? Yeah. So I, after my nine to five that I quit was working in fitness. I was working another job after that. And while I was working that job, I would step out of the office, look at locations, just walk the streets on the weekends of New York city, whether it was freezing out or, you know, a million degrees in the city, but I just walked the streets up and down, took photos of empty retail locations and would call the realtors or brokers and just say, Hey, I'm looking to start this fitness brand. I don't know exactly what it is yet, but I know that I'm going to start it. So can I look at your locations? And some of them didn't take me seriously. Some of them did. And I would look at the locations. And after a year of scouting throughout New York City, we came to our spot in Union Square. Finding a location at that time, especially before the pandemic, there wasn't as many retail, open retail locations in prime spots as there are now. But we basically found the location. It used to be a Mexican restaurant, which is what made it a little bit easier to get our liquor license. But we found that location and it's just, it's central to all the subway stops in New York. People come in from Brooklyn to Union Square. People come in from the Upper East, Upper West. So we just knew it was a a prime location. Then we spent about a year actually building out the location. The build out was extremely difficult because it's a landmark building. It's a super old building. There were a lot of issues with the build out. We found a huge boulder literally downstairs in the kitchen when we were digging up and trying to put in flooring. There was just so basically the old contractors had built wall on top of wall. So we had to basically like cut through all the walls. It was, it was an intense build out, which we were not expecting lots of issues with the build out, but that took about a year during that time. We were figuring out our branding, what, what it would be, what the actual workout would be. We were testing the workout in a, we would go to like a warehouse in Brooklyn and we got a treadmill we got a boxing bag We got one bench and that's how we just came up with the workout. We literally just did the workout until we came up with the perfect one. And 
were you uh-huh. were you doing those tests with people like with actual people that were coming in or or how, oh. how was that process? Oh yeah. So we had, we had people coming in and testing the workout. We had family and friends come in. We also were lucky to recruit somebody from Orange Theory Fitness who was their head of curriculum development. And he had a huge, huge impact on the workout because Orange Theory also has three modalities and we have boxing treadmills and weights. So he also worked with us to come up with the workout, test different workouts and we basically took clients feedback or like potential clients feedback and that's how we came up with the workout when you started you you mentioned that you were almost you didn't have the idea really clear in your mind but you started looking for real estate why why did you decide to do that before before even putting together the idea i think i knew that it was something in fitness i knew that i loved boxing i knew that it was going to be a boutique studio I knew that we'd have an element of strength because you need cardio and strength. It can't just be a cardio workout. I knew that I knew some key elements of what the brands would be. I knew that it would be something revolving around something motivational. My dad has been a promoter for motive has been a promoter for motivational speakers basically his whole life. So that's where the word grit came from. You know, it's a very motivational word. So we knew all of these elements. And my dad has always been somebody to teach me that you can't wait until something's perfect to, to start. And I think so many times we, not just me, but everyone waits until their idea is absolutely a hundred percent before they even start doing the first step. And I think one thing that I learned being an entrepreneur is you just have to start. It doesn't matter. It's never going to be perfect. Even now, our idea, we're constantly evolving. We're constantly changing. We're constantly coming up with ideas. I think the first step is just start. And once you start, it'll come, it'll come, it always comes together. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As an entrepreneur, I totally relate with, with, with that. And I think that is something that, yeah, yeah, we, we, and I kind of went through a similar path of what you're doing. I'm also in the ad world that everyone is so, has to be so perfect and there's so many processes and, you know, yeah. To, to choose a color, it takes you, you know, two months for someone to decide the color of, of an ad or something like that, or, or a TV yeah. commercial or anything or a video. And then here you're kind of like putting thoughts into action on a day to day with no one stopping yeah. you, right? To do, yeah. to do anything. Yeah. Which is, which is really scary, especially when you come from that world of getting everything approved to now, okay. I'm the only one or, or me and two other people are the ones making these decisions. And we don't really know. There's no, we don't have any testing of, you know, it's all, it's all testing as you go, you figure it out. You, you have high sales one day, you don't the next day, you change, you evolve, you, you move things around and it's just a constant testing process. Yeah. Correct. Correct. And uh, you fundraise at the beginning. So we put in money of our own. And then we also had Tony Robbins and Pitbulls, two of our main investors. And they know my dad from him being a promoter for them back in the day at his previous company. And so Pitbulls really are brand ambassador. He kind of brings the fun element, you know, the party guy. And then Tony Robbins brings the motivational side to the business. And they both came into the studio when we first opened. They came and surprised clients, came into a class. So that was pretty fun. 
Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's that. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. And uh, how? What are you, the challenges? I mean, you you talk about a little bit earlier about that. Like you know, you were one of the first females to in your school to do boxing at that time. Do you still consider that a challenge? And and can you can you speak a little bit about that? Like, how is it to be like a female coach or a female boxer? Like, what did that entails? And what are the challenges today? Yeah, I mean, I would say one thing that I really wanted to make sure when I was opening Grit was that it would feel really non-intimidating for females. And it's interesting now because I would say 80% of our clientele is females. So it's interesting how we took a sport that was predominantly men. And now it's a sport that some guys don't want to come to because they're like, oh, only girls go to that gym. And it's like, no, you can still come. But it's, yeah, it's, it's still a challenge because the boxing world in general is, it's evolved a lot. And I just always wanted to make it my goal to make it super comfortable for females and not intimidating. Interesting. Very, very interesting. And tell me about how, how was that first year with all the numbers that I was talking about? Do you guys expect all this success uh, that early or, you know, how, how was those moments? I mean, I, I want to talk about pre-COVID and then we'll talk about COVID, but yeah. what happened that first year when you were like making it? I mean, it was, it's, the numbers were incredible, right? Yeah. I mean, it was absolutely insane. I don't think any of us really could believe it. I was there almost every day. There was always so much going on at the studio, events, celebrities, people, PR opportunities, and just sold out classes, you know, every day. So it was pretty insane. It it felt unreal, to be honest. And then it felt like we were hitting our peak already. And that's pretty crazy to say when you're only around seven, eight months in business. And we were just, we're keeping the momentum going. People were loving it. People, yeah, it just, it felt like we were reaching our height already, obviously until the pandemic. What happened when COVID hit? Yeah. So like a lot of businesses, we thought, okay, we'll maybe have to be closed for two weeks. Then it ended up being that fitness studios, especially boutique fitness studios, especially boutique fitness studios with a bar would take the longest to be allowed to reopen. So out of everything, I believe that fitness studios, especially boutique fitness studios were the last that allowed to open. So we were closed for around 16 months or so. And then when we finally reopened, there was still so many capacity requirements, vaccine mandates, rules and regulations were changing daily. And, you know, we were, our concern too, is that we built this entire brand about community and about socializing and you're taking that away from us. This is the one thing that we wanted to give to people. And the pandemic was all about not socializing, about not being a community, about not sharing drinks with each other and being very safe in that sense. So it was, it was like, how do we still show people that you can socialize in a safe way and have fun and take care of your body and your health and also your social, you know, everyone needs to socialize. We're a human being. So I think at the beginning when we reopened, that was a big aspect. Like we're safe, but we also want you to still have fun and, and do the things that you were doing pre-pandemic. And how do you guys deal with it? I mean, I just, I'm assuming you're still dealing with it. What do you guys do? What kind of solutions do you came up? Yeah. I mean, 
we had to do insane cleaning, insane, you know, changing our HVAC systems. There were so many requirements, but in terms of the actual, you know, those are all operational side things that we were doing, but in terms of actual marketing, I think you can still market and show that people are having fun, that they're drinking, that they're, we, I mean, in addition, we built out an entire outdoor space. So we call it the love shack and it's an extension of grit. And basically that's an entire area that was built because of the pandemic, but where we show people socializing outside and drinking and having fun, but at least they can relax and not have to wear a mask and they can enjoy time and feel like they're in a safe environment. Interesting. And and so basically you took one idea that you put together during COVID and now it's part of your brand. Exactly. Of, right. Yeah. Yeah. And we just opened it up for the summer again. So it's, it's now, I think because New York is allowing restaurants and businesses to keep their extended outdoor space, we're just going to keep using it until New York decides that we can't, but yeah. Right. I read in, in some of the interviews that you guys, uh, that you have done in the past, or I don't know where exactly, I was trying to look at it now, but I cannot find it. Uh, you, you said something about health that is not necessarily only about what you do in, in your own, you know, with, with fitness, I'm sorry, in the practice, but there's so many other aspects of your health that are very important. Can you, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me personally, fitness has always been more so of a mental, mental release more so than even what it means for me to look like a certain way. It's been an escape. It's also been a way to release anger, aggression, depression, anxiety. And it's always been a way for me to feel strong, even in times where you may feel weak in other aspects of your life. And so I think giving back that mental health aspect is huge. Also just socializing. People don't realize how lonely the city is. I think when I first moved to the city from Syracuse, I was taking all these boutique fitness classes. I wasn't meeting anybody and I felt pretty alone. And so filling that need for people to socialize and connect and to just be seen in a city where you're on the subway, you're wearing your headphones, you're not talking to people for most of your day. Here's a place where you can go and you know, you will always talk to somebody. You will always be seen. You will always be heard. You will always be noticed. And you will always have people that remember your name at the front desk that will remember where you like to be in the classroom, who will remember your drink order at the bar. Like that is so important and it's so hard to find in a city with you know billions of people across the universe and here's one one place where you can meet like-minded people that's that's so rare i agree 100 percent. you definitely nailed it there and i think you, i mean you touch in two different points there i mean one is it is the wellness or the health aspect of the fitness part that you're saying that basically i mean Traditional, you think about fitness like it's something that you do for to lose weight or to look in a certain way. But I think for what you are saying is, is something that also you do for your own mental health. Mm -hmm. And I completely relating to that. But I think in order to do that, you need to reach a certain level, right? Because I think, I mean, for, for someone that doesn't take fitness seriously, it's hard to, to really you know, believe that in that, like, oh yeah, that's because you're a coach. No, 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 it's not. I mean, I'm not a coach and I completely yeah. agree with your with your thing at this point i don't do exercise or any type of fitness because i want to lose weight or i want to look in certain ways really yeah. for your mental health yeah at the end of the day when you exercise you can 
be different during the day. You can act different during the day. And then if you combine that with the social aspect, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, really incredible what you guys achieve yeah. over there. What, what are your plans now? What are, how, how are you thinking about, you know, how to expand this idea, this purpose that you putting together so perfectly? Like, what are the next steps for you guys? Yeah, I mean, we're trying to figure out like what our avenue of expansion is, but I think this concept would do extremely well in other A cities like Miami, Los Angeles, somewhere in Texas. But I also think it would do well in suburban areas, maybe some B cities across the US. And eventually I'd also love to expand internationally. I think this concept would do well in other countries. We have a lot of people that come in from out of town, they're visiting from whether it's Amsterdam or wherever else, and they just say hey, this would do well in my hometown. So I think the need for socialization is not a need of just New York. I think that's a need of everyone, whether you're in Cleveland, Ohio, or you're in Miami. I think that's something that we can tap into anywhere. So we're just now trying to figure out, you know, we coming back from a pandemic, our first thought was not, okay, how are we going to expand? It was like, how do we survive? And now that we're like, okay, we're back on our feet. We're getting people back in. We're selling out classes. Now, next step number two is, okay, how do we survive? But also how do we expand and how do we grow and how do we give back this concept to not just New York, but everyone? And I'm assuming, you know, a big part of the challenge when you are growing something that is so good that it, and is you know, build with your own hands and you, you have absolutely control of what you do in your, in your studio today. Like how do, uh, uh, what are you guys thinking in when you expand that you're kind of like, you know, putting this together to in other cities and in other places and how to keep that community aspect and all that magic that is happening today in, in your studio? Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of it comes down to people. I mean, I'm personally try to be at the studio a lot and I think having somebody from management or having somebody that built the brand at the studio is super important, especially because you're front facing with clients. They like to see that the owner or the manager is somebody that's actually there at the studio, actually does the workouts with you, actually loves the brand as much as they do. So I think if you find people that are as passionate about your brand as you are, who just absolutely love what you're doing, who want to grow it, and you put them in those studios and you put them managing or even owning those studios, that's when you know you'll be successful because it really stems from the top and it stems from the passion from the people at the top. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Adiva, thank you. Thank you very much for your time. It's been such a pleasure to, to hear your story, to hear your the passion and everything that you accomplished so far. And I wish you the best in, in Grid Studios today. How can people find you? Like, I know, like, how do, how can people find your studio today? And, you know, where, where can people go and, and find out more about your own story about the studios? Yeah. So we're located at 9 East 16th Street in Union Square. We have an Instagram. It's called Grit Boxing. Boxing is spelled B-X-N-G. And also on our website, Grit Boxing, we have an intro offer. It's a buy one, get one. Comes with drinks at our bar and also a free gym bag. So you can check out the intro offer for new clients online. And yeah, honestly, just stop by whenever you want. We're always welcoming of new people. We love having new faces in and we'd love to have you. Awesome. Thank you very much, Ediva. I will make sure to put all that information on the credits as well. Thank you again. This has been Purposely Local with Ediva and hope to see you on our next episode. Thank you very much. Thank you.